So today you don't you don't hear of the 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 the, the what we call the flaming balshiva that the person who was like so deeply so deeply enthused about his connection to Judaism that he like he just like he wouldn't know because he wanted desperately the connection he, he wouldn't know he wouldn't know where to draw the limit. And that was all until I came across my friend on the right here, and he has wo- awoken that flame. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I don't mean that. I don't. I mean that as a, as a very big compliment. I'm just saying it's very rare in our generation. So can we frame you? <laughs> Thank you. No, I'm saying it's a rare thing that you've got a sincere, pure desire. There's no one else in the room that has that. We have to deal with Krieger soon. We'll deal with Krieger soon. I'm saying no one else has that. Then we'll, then we'll, Krieger was the other exception to the rule. Back in the day. I, t- I told you this, I had. Back in the day, the standard person that turned up on the doors of Orsamach was a person that wanted a deeper side to life. They wanted meaning. Those were the old Balshev, like, you know, they were intense, they were, they were like passionate, and they wanted a deeper side to life. They wanted meaning. They weren't judges because the challenge and the chicks got them. No, they weren't. So, so back in the, those days, in those days, was it, eh? No, I'm just, I'm giving a general glance to the item. So, 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 so Krieger, Krieger is, he's one of those people that's passionate, and that's why, that's why it's absolutely wonderful to have him in the shir. Because if I start blah, 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 blowing, he goes berserk. He's not taking any of it. So, because he, he really wants the real thing. And when, when I say something which is, which, 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 which has consequence, boom, you feel, you feel, you feel there's someone on the other side receiving it. As opposed to like many other people, and I'm not pointing fingers, but opposed to many other people that, that they are primarily for the comic relief and the entertainment, and if they get a good vote, they'll say, ah, oh, shkuch, rov, shkuch, shkuch, like in South Africa. You know you failed when the people say, shkuch, rov, shkuch, and you know that's it. The vote has just died in them. You know, that's, that's, that's the thing. Shkuch, rov, shkuch, eh? Say, so, hey, you'd be proud of me. Well, I'm just I'm just working on myself. I'm working on not not to. You, so I had to add. I went to England, right? Which was one of the most difficult things for me to do. Not because not because England's a dreary country and it always rains in the summer. A different reason completely. That I was meant to speak over the course of Suez fourteen times, right? Now, it's not hard to speak fourteen times. Because when you go, and there weren't, I think there were two repeats. But what I wanted to do is I didn't want to just, it's easy to say information. I can, you know, you can learn up information in a relatively short amount of time. You can accumulate enough information to fill up 14 slots. Especially if the Torah's got enormous amounts of information. But what I would do is I'd like to do something which I connected to experientially. Oh, that's really hard. That was really hard. So that, that was a huge, huge demand myself. And I tried. And I don't know how successful I was. And that's why I'm going to now make you all the victims for at least the next 14 <laughs> sessions <laughs> to see if I made any progress with those things. And it was experiential because now it's a test. So now you're going to be the, the willing recipients, let's put it that way, of, uh, of moving forward about what is the what is Shvurs all about? What's Matan Torah? I think now is a great time to start discussing it. I know it's not topical. And it's not going. You know, people think they think that the one of my one of the deepest problems that I that I saw, 
I perhaps I, I saw before I went, but is that when you relegate Torah to theoretical talk, you undermine its relevance to your own life. That's called what people call, I'm saying a vote. When you say a vote, you can literally undermine your entire connection to Torah. Because what it means is that someone says a vote, it's not, it's not absolutely true, there are exceptions to the rule, but when someone says a vote which has relevance on life, but they're stating it as a theory which they're not connected to, so then it's not just not good enough, it's actually terrible. Because it educates one and those listening to be able to speak about concepts which have no experiential connection to your life as if they do and you know they don't and then you go and you live life in a completely contrary direction so the the consequence of that type of behavior means over the course of time you're teaching yourself that Torah doesn't really tell me about life it tells me about a life what should be which is not relevant to me or you yeah that's the Shorash program (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so so that's that's a really that's that's a really that's a really tough thing to deal with that's a really tough thing to deal with so in other words you have to it has to be experiential when you say that and it's hard because sometimes the words sound beautiful but they're very very far away from where we are so there becomes a whole way of how, well, how do you deal with that? How do you actually deal with that? So I want to start off by speaking about, let's speak about Kabbalah Satoya. We experienced something a few days ago which was called the receiving of the Torah. Kabbalah Satoya. Simply speaking, fleshing out the idea of what does, what does it mean to receive the Torah. So now there's different ways of receiving things. If um, if I may borrow the lid to your to your flask, please, Yaakov. Should you mind? He's he's going for anything. Um, Yofi. Safe hands. Mm. You caught that beautifully. So in other words, when it comes to if I throw the lid of Yankel's thermos to you and you catch it, so then throw it back to me. That's called receiving. I cut my hands and I catch it and now it's trapped inside my hands. Were I to have fumbled it, like many a cricketsman who's been rejected from the Indian team, so that's called, that's called a lack of... I didn't receive it. The thing that was meant to come into my hands didn't get there. So in other words, one of the ways of receiving is a physical transfer of objects. We use our hand as, an, as, as a vehicle of reception. That's how we receive it. On what limb in our body do we receive the Torah? And let me just take one step backwards. Let's first of all define the Torah. The simple, most useful definition of Torah for our context, and there's many definitions of what the Torah is, but a perhaps simple and very true definition of the Torah is, what is Torah? Torah is what's called Gilui is Borach. It's the revelation of the divine will. It's the most useful definition for our purpose of what Torah is. Here we're born into a world. Now we don't really have a clue what to do. We don't know which direction to go. We've got a wide buffet of food in front of us. 
So we don't, we can't know, well, should I eat that food or this food or not eat any food or eat some of the food or eat none of the food or eat all of the food. So it comes on the train and says, this is kosher and this is treif. Um, I have no idea how I should use my speech. You know, some people feel that it's very healthy to gossip because it's cathartic and it gets, it gets a lot of things off your chest and it can be a great thing to do. Granted, someone else may get harmed in the process, but you know, why, maybe, maybe that's, that's okay because you feel better. Something to says, no, there's something called Lashon Hora. You shouldn't speak in a degrading fashion about other people, even though you may feel a lot better when you do so. Um, I'm not sure if people, people wrong me if I should respond by acting revenge or I should be forgiving. So the Torah is, is what Hashem wants me. I don't know what I want. I don't, what you, I don't, I don't know what the Abisha wants from me in this world. I need a prophet to come down and tell me what he did. His name was Moshe Rabbeinu, and he wrote it all down in his book, dictated as a word by God. He was just like a scribe. That's why the Ramban answer asks, why does it in most, in all the prophets, when it describes the prophecy to the prophet, it says, and Hashem spoke to the prophet and he said, Moshe Rabbeinu wrote the Torah from Bereshis. But the first pasuk in Bereshis in Genesis doesn't begin by saying, and God said to Moses, and then in the beginning God created heavens and earth. It says, Bereshis Baralekim. Where, where, where's Moshe Rabbeinu? Because Moshe Rabbeinu, even when he speaks about himself, he speaks about himself in the third person. Because he's purely a conduit for the divine, divine word to come into the world. That's Moshe Rabbeinu, and that's what Moshe Rabbeinu was, Anav Mikol Adam. As it says in last week's parasha, he was more humble than any man, and this is what Rav Desi explains, is called the Aspakliria Hameira, the perfect, perfect glass. Um, the glass which is absolutely clear. When the glass is clear, you can see directly through it, and have no interruptions, no interference. You can see precisely what's behind the glass because it's a clear glass. When the glass is fuzzy, for example, if you see frosted glass, so you can see movement behind the glass, but you're not quite sure what it is. Could be a person, could be, could be a dog or a cat, I'm not quite sure. So the other Nevim saw what's called through a the other prophets, saw through a clouded glass. Moshe Rabbeinu saw through a clear glass. The question is, what clouds up the glass? Rav Desa says what clouds up the gla- glass is a person's self. When a person releases his sense of self, which is essentially behind humility, a person allows himself to be open. He doesn't hang on to his, perhaps what we call another, I'm using this inexactly, ego. When he lets go of that, so then a person can purely, he can see with the purity what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants. He doesn't have to have his say. He doesn't have to make himself. He doesn't have to accentuate his being. He can let the speak through him. So Moshe Rabbeinu could do that, so therefore there was no fuzz, and there was no frost on the glass. It was pure, perfect. You could go three, go through. As the Gemara says, It's as if the Divine Presence spoke through the throat, through the vocal cords of Moshe Rabbeinu. That's his level. His level was, he was like just, he was uh, amazing, beyond comprehension who Moshe Rabbeinu was. Beyond comprehension. So, when Moshe Rabbeinu gives us a Torah, what's he doing? He's revealing to us what the Creator wants from us in this world. It's a hidden fact. We don't know. We don't know what he wants from us. We go through life and we're not quite sure. Should I, should I marry? Should I remain single? Should I marry many wives or single wife? Should, should, should adultery be permitted or should it, be, should it be encouraged? Should it be frowned upon? And there's different social norms around the world in regard to these things. So it comes along the train and says, this is what I want you to do. When it comes to morality, when it comes to loyalty in terms of a spouse relationship, you have to be absolute in your loyalty. If you deviate one iota, it's considered a terrible, terrible thing. A terrible thing.
And that's what the Torah is. So the Torah is called Gilur Ritzonius Baruch. It reveals what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants from us. If we wouldn't have the Torah, we'd be walking around the world not knowing what He wanted. Here we are. We, even if we'd acknowledge the existence of a Creator, it would be the most frustrating experience because I wouldn't know what He wants from me. I don't know. What, what did He want from me? What did, what's my mission in this world? And how am I meant to relate to the different factors? How am I meant to be? Step one. That's what Torah is. So therefore, Kabbalah's Torah is, when I receive the Torah, what I have to be doing is I have to take that revelation of the divine will, I have to take what HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I want this from you, and I have to receive it. Where? Where do I receive it? What are the options? Now, I don't think my hands are an option because it's not a physical entity. So, simply speaking, the two options are my intellect and my will. I can receive it, in other words, I can receive it in my intellect that I understand. Yes, Creator, I understand that you want me to eat this particular kind of food, and if it's an animal, slaughtered in this particular kind of way. I understand that. But it could be that I haven't accepted that upon my will, on my want. The will is a different part of a person. It's different to the, to the, to the mind, right? We call it the heart and the mind. So where, does it, where do you receive it? Do you receive it in your head, or do you receive it, do you receive it in your heart? Well, if you receive it in your head, so then you can, you can do it and you can comply and you can be obedient, but you haven't got it inside of yourself. Whereas if you receive it in your will, so it means it's a much deeper sense of incorporating. What Hashem wants, it's not part of me. That's called a real receiving. In other words, the receiving on the will, on my want. In other words, Rebbein Shalom, what you want, that's what I want. Not that that's what I know what you want. In other words, the most basic problem, before we get on to speaking about all the history and the surrounding facts of Matan Torah, is a very simple point. Torah is, Hashem says, I want this. Receiving the Torah says, what you want, I want. And the problem is, what happens if I don't want? That's where the problem begins. I don't want. I'm not interested. I'll do it. I'll do it, let's say. I'll do it because I'm a frumid. But I don't want to. Shem says, listen. Shalom, I know you don't want, to speak to me, you don't want me to speak Lashonara. Quite frankly, I, I really want to. I want to. So I may conquer myself and not do it. But I haven't really received the Torah. I've complied. I've been obedient. You want me to be... Have integrity in business. And not cheat. And I'm not going to cheat, but gosh, I want to cheat. This person comes to me, he says to me, listen, there's been new tax laws, and if we state the motivation for this deal that we've just made is X, so then we'll be, it will be tax-free, and if we state it's Y, it will be liable for taxes. And the truth is, we could explain it to be X. It could be done. Even though it's Y. Do you mind just signing over here that it's X? Yeah, I, I, I don't, I'm, that, that's why I became a teacher. <laughs> I don't want to confront that. I don't want to confront that. I mean, that's hectic. Do you know how hard that is? Especially when the difference could be millions of dollars. And your superior is just asking you for one s- simple signature. And no one's going to know. I'll never find out. They can't prove it. 
anyone that's going to know is God. So if I wanted, if I wanted, I say I'm, I'm really sorry. It goes against my ethical creed. I can't do that. And so on and so on and so on and so on and so on. And so, on. so to understand that there's a, there's a fundamental problem over here. The fundamental problem is, well, how do you receive Torah on your will? But what if you don't want to? How do you change that? Say you want to receive Torah, but you, you just realize that you, it's not working. You all, are you all with me with the problem? So yeah, we've just gone through Matan Torah. So I think, okay, well, after Matan Torah, so now I received it. Did I? Did I receive it? What happened? What was the experience through my shavuos? Did I have this strong resolution that no longer would I deviate from the divine will? No. Could be even in the midst of shavuos I deviated. And probably afterwards as well. So, so, so let's just fetch a question from Josh. How can you say that Hashem has will? Because when you say that somebody wants something, it implies that there's a lack. Like, I want this apple, why? Because I'm hungry. Therefore, there's a lack of there's something that I'm lacking. When I have it, then that lack is fulfilled. So if you're talking about Hashem, which is everything, how can you say that Hashem wants something? It's a great question. The only kind of will that doesn't imply lack is when it's altruistic. Purely for the other person. Person wants to do chesed to another. He gets nothing out of it. So it could even be completely self-defeating. He gives up his meal for someone else so that they can eat. So then, then the the motivation is not because I don't have; it's because I have. I have something to give to you. If you if you if you dwell deeply into the notion of giving, you'll discover that it breaks all the rules of want. When you want to give, it's a, it's a real breaker. You know, it's just like a higher want. Like, I feel good. Like, you know, maybe you can only really be altruistic if you're actually feeling bad when, you, when you're giving. Because if you in any way deriving some sort of like fulfillment or upliftment or whatever it is, you might not be satisfying your hunger when you give up that meal, but when you, you feel something higher, you, you, you satisfy Could be. that could be there's levels and levels but there's a, there's a state of being where a person gives purely for the other I mean we can experience it right you can experience it that you you give for the other even though you lose out sometimes you feel worse as well but it's not natural sorry but it's not natural supernatural yeah. supernatural naturally what you want to do is you want to take No. She can discuss. But no. In essence not. Okay, so let's 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 work with it slowly. Well we just we st- we're starting to explore the idea of Kabbalah Satara, right? We receive the Torah. What does it mean? We're just being open and frank about it. We're not trying to fool ourselves, we're not trying to fool anyone, we're trying to build up the sugar from grassroots. So if the point of Kabbalah Satara is to receive the Torah, which means to want what Hashem wants. To want, to want to do what he wants us to do. So then we have to start to think, well, what is it? What's the part of us that doesn't want to do? Because there's often a conflict. In other words, 
there's something holding me back. There must be from wanting to do what Hashem wants me to do. Because if there'd be nothing hold me, holding me back, so then the transformation would be absolute and unanimous. And it's not. You follow? We're still struggling. So what are the factors which influence that struggle? And how do we get beyond them to receive the Torah? And is it true that if we receive the Torah, we'll never ever do anything wrong in our lives again? Or is it possible to receive the Torah and yet fall in the future? Are you following with my building up the sugya? So I'm not going to address it directly, but what I would like to do is I'd like to start to work through uh, a piece in the Rabbeinu Yoyna that I believe explores it, and we'll see where that takes us. We'll be patient, and we'll try to build this up slowly and thoroughly, and try to make it anything but a vote. Try to make it real. Try to make it real. Try to make it uh, experiential. So that, that, that's what we'll try to do. We'll start Mitzvah Shem the Rabbeinu Yoyna tomorrow.